0: Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking to our learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions in the comments or our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com. And of course, I will answer as many as I can. You know, recently, my sixth grade son joined a cooking club. He comes home with dips, he comes home with herring. Um, last night, he came home with guacamole. He loves it which is really perfect timing for our special guest, Amy Zeidelman. Hope I have the name right. Entrepreneur, CEO of Zoom Foods, if I pronounce it right, and a Forbes 30 Under 30 class of 2018. Amy, how are you today?
1: Hi, I'm doing great things. How are you? Great. I got it right. Amy Zeidelman, yes? Amy Zeidelman, long eye, old country, long eye, and Zoom Foods from Zoom Zoom, um, sesame, Hebrew for sesame.
0: Oh, perfect. Now I got it. So we didn't speak. We've had our email conversations. But who is Amy Zeidelman?
1: Oh, well, that's a pretty deep question. Um, I'm a mom. I'm an entrepreneur. I am the youngest of three sisters. Uh, two, the, the My two sisters are my business partners. And I'm passionate about interpersonal communication Um, and building a values-based business. And so, yeah, I'm a whole bunch of things. It's a great question. Cool. Amazing. So before we get into what you do and what you're
0: passionate about, but if you could give us a little background about yourself, where you grew up, went to school,
1: let's find
0: out who Amy is.
1: Sure. I grew up in Rockville, Maryland, um, and attended a Jewish day school there, the Charles E. Smith Jewish Day School, good old Chuck, Uh, I went to college at University of Delaware and uh, many times throughout middle school, high school and college, I spent lots of time in Israel. In fact, my middle sister Jackie um, moved to Israel in 2008 after she graduated college, eventually made Aliyah after meeting her now Israeli husband and they um, have an Israeli and still live in Israel. And and so um, it was in 2011 when Jackie was dating Omri that omri who's been in the tahina industry and for those of your listeners familiar with tahini or Trina as they pronounce it in israel um, at this point omri's been in the industry for almost two decades and in getting to know him and their relationship evolving it kind of opened up this opportunity for my sisters and i to make tahini a more popular ingredient in the american market
0: Yes, and it's just one of these standard dips that me, my children, happen to have on a regular Friday night. We'll talk. We'll figure out all the places where we can use it, where it comes from. Amazing. So you actually started to answer my next question of um, how you and your sisters decided, because it's just an interesting group of partners, a couple of sisters get together around the kitchen, I guess, and say, you know, this is really good. We should have a business (laughs)
1: You know, we come from a family of entrepreneurs. Both of our parents are entrepreneurs, Uh, our grandparents are entrepreneurs, and um, actually in food specifically, our paternal grandfather had a restaurant in Washington, D.C. Our maternal grandfather was a butcher here in Philadelphia. And so entrepreneurship is kind of in our blood and food, of course, runs in our blood, a passion for food. And so being able to marry those two passions so organically in starting a food business really just came about, you know, I guess Bezrat Hashem, right? Like with the help of God, it was just it meant to be. And so um, it's been a really exciting experience because we didn't grow up A, super culinary or focused on food. And B, we didn't grow up expecting, although I guess we couldn't run from it, having a business together. And so the fact that this opportunity presented itself, our interest and skills complemented each other in being business partners. It's all really worked out for the best. So
0: so what happened? It was your brother-in-law was around the kitchen. You guys said, we have a, a Trina or tahini for those who like it that way we have a Trina which is so good we have to market this like ha- take me through what happened?
1: my the joke goes that my oldest sister studied business, my middle sister married a tahini you know entrepreneur and I just needed a job uh, but in fact, you know my oldest sister studied entrepreneurial management as an undergrad at University of Pennsylvania. And when she decided to live, my oldest sister and I both spent years after college living in Israel. And so in 2011, when she was living in Israel, she got to know Omri, and Omri introduced her to his business, which was brokering tahini from larger manufacturers to his own network of caterers and salatim manufacturers, hummus manufacturers, hummusiyod, all around Israel. And Shelby, who has that more entrepreneurial management mindset, has been involved in startups in the past. Really, that's what sparked more so questions than let's start a business, which was what kind of market research can we do in the States? In particular, how was Tahini understood in the States and what opportunity might there be to enter this, this market? I was a senior in college, not studying business at all, and she tasked me with that you know, market research. And what we found was that you could only really find tahini on the bottom shelf of the international aisle. Most people had no idea what it was. If they did know what it was, they primarily only used it to make hummus. And most of the tahini, if not all of the tahini available in the States, didn't taste good. It was old, it didn't taste good. It wasn't made with what was emerging at the time and is still today considered the best sesame seeds which grow in Ethiopia. And so, all of those things really align to inspire us to bring good tahini to the States and also invest our resources in educating the American market about what tahini is, the health benefits, and of course, the versatility and uses.
0: Oh, so many things I have to take notes of over oh, here. I can't, it's, I, I don't, I keep taking my notes. I'm watching. So, okay, so I, I'm getting the picture. So, you are bringing. The brand that you like, the taste you like. So again, in my mind, there's two times I have trina. One time is when I have falafel, which I'm sure everyone knows a falafelist. You know, you gotta put it all over my falafel and then enjoy it. Um, or it's a dip that I'll have on a Friday night, on a Shabbos night. Sure. Okay, so, uh, hmm. so yeah, I mean, I love it. it you know, when I actually when I was in Israel myself as a as a student, so. In my house, it's just a little bit of a dip, but it was like half the meal um, when right. I would go to people. That was you had your your challah, you polished through. The people did not have as much to eat, so this became almost a staple. So, how are you creating a market? Unless you're just looking for people like me, um, how are you teaching people this is something they want in salads or I don't know what they put it in? How are you doing that?
1: it's a great question um in israel really so when i was living there back in 2012 what i was most inspired by was the fact that tahini or tahina of course in israel was a topping in frozen yogurt bars or an optional addition in the smoothie stations around Tel Aviv. And that's because good tahini, what they call, you know, trina golmi in Israel, so a very high quality gourmet tahini, pressed from these Ethiopian sesame seeds, actually has a really beautiful almost nutty flavor profile and creamy consistency and so you can envision it as a substitute also for nut butters. So the way that I like to describe tahini and The reason I guess we should lay out why we decided to call it tahini still in the States as opposed to tahina is the fact that it was really Greek cuisine that brought tahini over to the States far before Israeli and Arabic cuisine became popular here. And in Greece, they pronounce it tahini. And so many Americans, those that were familiar with the product, recognized it as tahini. And since we had so much consumer education to do, we decided to go with the more American pronunciation of the product. But, you know, tahini in Israel is utilized in the in frozen yogurts, in smoothies. Um, and like you said, in over half the meal, I mean, what really inspired us and, and opened our eyes to the versatility of tahini is that Omri's mom makes a delicious carrot cake. And instead of some of the vegetable oil, which is typical in carrot cakes and many other types of breads and cookies, you can actually use tahini as a substitute. So it adds all the health benefits of sesame, the delicious flavor of a good tahini and really makes sophisticated even desserts. And so what we've set out to do is to bring many recipes, both developed by ourselves or recipe developers that we work with, and also all these other people that are in food as influencers, whether it's professional chefs that have restaurants across the country or bloggers and people on social media and really um, inspire them to use tahini in new ways. And what's great about tahini is it complements a lot of different dietary preferences. It's a nut-free product, so those with peanut butter allergies can use tahini instead of nut butters. it's also consistent with paleo and vegan, especially, right? This plant-based delicious and nutritious ingredient. Um, Whole 30, I mean, the list really goes on and tahini fulfills all these niche, you know, um, special requirements of people's diets. And so you really can use tahini from, for anything from peanut butter to olive oil and many of the fats in between in a variety of savory and sweet dishes.
0: That is so interesting. Obviously, someone like myself, a major, sarcastically, um, chef. But that is really fascinating. No, th- that I'm learning right now that it actually I'm, I'm, we could go to the website, which is, by the way, your website is? Zoomfoods.com. S-O-O-M-F-O-O-D, right? Zoomfoods.com.
1: And you'll have all those ways, right? I got it right? yeah with an S after food, so soon foods plural so foods dot
0: com plural.com. and that way you can learn all these amazing ways, like I think of it sometimes like i'll I'll watch how a cake is made, and I'll watch that you know cup of oil go in or the margarine go in and i say I know why it tastes good, I just don't right. know if that makes me feel good, so that is really right. fascinating, so your goal is not obviously it's to to propel your business, but Who are you looking to start changing their cooking habits that they should start uh, using your type of or your product?
1: Well, that's a great question and I think it comes down to many different types of consumers. One are people that are already familiar with tahini but only using it for the dip or the dressing or the hummus, right? To inspire them to use it in more ways, and that's really our our first tier of people that we're trying to target. It's people that have tahini in their home, likely have used it once to make hummus, and then you know never used it again, um, because they didn't know other recipes abuse it for and then a secondary tier of consumers are people that have never heard of tahini but are interested in whether it's plant-based cuisine healthy eating um, adventurous and international type influence in their culinary um you know creations and that really to us is where the market is going to be able to open up and really expand tahini as a category in the states
0: wow wow so. You talked about an entrepreneur. Your family is full of entrepreneurs. So I guess for entrepreneurs, we're always supposed to ask, um, what keeps you up at night? And uh, what, at least at this point, are you most proud of?
1: Oh, what a beautiful question. What keeps me up at night uh, is the international nature of our business. There's been uh, terrible civil unrest in Ethiopia, a very sad state of affairs in the Humer region where we get our seeds. And that's disturbing on a, you know, um, psychological and emotional level and also could have obviously um, consequences in our business. So I would say that keeps me up at night, especially since I can't control it. Um, And what I'm most proud of is being able to create a values-based business that um, brings people into our organization and gives them a place to work that allows them to grow professionally and also supports them personally. Um, It's been great to be able to have a business and uh, employ people with the way that we would want to be treated and employed um, had we maybe joined somebody else's organization.
0: Yes, I was going to let you expound on that. What you keep saying, a values based business. What is a values based business?
1: You know, it's funny. Just before this, I hopped onto this video stream um, with the last podcaster, and they were also talking about this. And it's the idea of creating a business in a, with the foundation of what you believe in and what you want to practice. And and granted, it's probably different for other people and values, in particular Jewish values, were interwoven in, in my family's life since, you know, as long as I can remember. And so this idea that a business would be different than your personal set of rules or expectations was never really an option for me. And so it's being able to create a business that keeps in mind what's important for you personally and um, and be able to, you know, share that with your network of employees and people that purchase your product or vendors that you work with and just really, you know, practice what you preach, I guess. Hey,
0: cool. I'm hoping this is part of your list because I wanted to go in this direction a little bit. Um, I did see on your Web page that Zoom Foods likes to be involved in charities. What Mm -hmm. kind of charities do you guys like to be involved in and why is it so important to you?
1: So we really like to be involved in charities that support the nurturing of our youth um, in terms of healthy eating and professional um, and life development. So two organizations in particular, we've taken our time to um, not just invest resources, meaning products into, but our time in terms of connecting with their constituents and the people that they're servicing. One is called Wellness in the Schools, which is an organization based in New York that teaches healthy habits to more elementary age school children. And another one is called CCAP, Careers Through Culinary Arts, um, based in Philadelphia, which is a program that helps train primarily high schoolers to be prepared for life and also careers in the culinary arts, but, um, you know, to complement those types of organizations where we try our hardest to interact with the participants and, and be volunteers there, in times when we're able to donate product, whether it's to our local mitzvah food pantry or to a larger food pantry after a natural disaster, um, you know, we're or even during the beginning of COVID to support out of work, you know, restaurant and hospitality workers um, in terms of kitchens and and food access. We also um, work to you know share our product as liberally as we can so that people can create meals or share ingredients for people to have that healthful product at home. Okay, great. Amazing. Um, I'm just trying to remember, I think I saw, are you personally
0: involved in, in any other charities? Forget the business, but I think you're on a, on a board. I can't remember.
1: Yes, thank you for reminding me, um, especially during COVID, you know, since this access to participation and time has shifted so much digitally, I found myself more able to, you know, give of my time, not just resources. And so I'm on the board of Halal for hunger, which is an amazing um, university campus driven organization that not only bakes challah in order to sell it and 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 share and donate those resources to hunger initiatives on campus but they train advocates student advocates to um, address hunger issues on college campuses and so they've been doing amazing work especially since covid has exacerbated the you know um the issues of access to food and healthy food Um, and then i'm also on the board of CCAP, Careers Through Culinary Arts, here in Philadelphia.
0: Cool. Amazing. Okay, well, and my time is flying, but a few last things. Now, it's hard to imagine tahini wouldn't be kosher. I know yours is kosher. Um, Is that important to your company, that your products should all be kosher?
1: It is important to us, in particular because, as maybe some of your listeners can relate to, it's important to ourselves, but also our parents. And so as we, you know, considered the cost associated with having certified kosher products, it was really a, a non-negotiable. In fact, um, this basis of kashrut and, you know, I guess, especially respecting those that observe it to the fullest extent has always been very prevalent in my application of business. I also had the opportunity to write a cookbook. It's called The Tahini Table. And so it's over 100 recipes of how to use tahini and it's kosher style. So we don't mention any treif. Products And none of the recipes mix milk and meat, even to the extent where um, a roasted carrot recipe in the book has an option of crumbled feta on it. And when we decided to put that picture or that um, that recipe on the spread for the cover, the cover also had a chicken dish on it. So my photographers and I were taking tweezers and plucking off every piece of feta cheese from the carrots so that we could take the picture with my roasted chicken tahini roasted chicken dish uh, for the cover. So it's very important. I mean. Judaism has given us such a strong basis of not only values like we were talking about, but work ethic and um, especially going to a Jewish day school. And I think appreciation for asking questions and, you know, persevering. And so, um, and not to mention how supportive the Jewish community has been to us as we've been growing as a company, introducing an Israeli or, um, you know, um, some could say Jewish leaning ingredient to the American market. So. We uh, love the Jewish community and, and appreciate the tribe and want to hold true to those connections to it. Great. Amazing. Such a You know, I wasn't even expecting such an answer, but
0: I am so glad that I asked the question. Okay, as I told you, my time is flying. I'm going to ask you for two things. One is I would like you to leave us with something, and I would like you to tell us how we can... Get to your webpage, how we can find your product, where we can find your product. Now I know you have a cookbook, where we can get the cookbook. Um, Let us know how we
1: can find out. So the easiest access to all the information you're requesting is our website, like we shared, zoomfoods.com, S-O-O-M-F-O-O-D-S.com. And there you can find a store founder. We're in about 500 stores, primarily between DC and New York, although a few in, in metropolitan and foodie markets across the country. Our products are also available to purchase on our website or on Amazon, where you can also find the cookbook. So there's lots of information and access to recipes. If anybody listening has that jar of tahini sitting in the back of their fridge that they only used once, we have great ideas of how maybe you can incorporate tahini into the next thing you're cooking as well on our website.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Amy, this was so much fun. I thank you so much for joining us, and I hope I can learn to
1: eat even healthier, and I wish you lots of success. Thank you so, so much, and uh, it was great to be here. Thanks for having me. Great.
0: Okay. I hope everybody enjoyed that. I hope we learned a lot. I for sure learned a lot, because I did not know that you can do all those things with tahini, and now I know. And with my, I don't know, minute and a half left, I have so many things I wanted to talk about today. I don't know how I'm going to get to all of them, certainly not in a minute and a half. But um, we, we try to leave off um, all these weeks because we are in the sphera period, the counting period. We talk about how we can prepare ourselves to get the Torah and we've been going through the list. And, of course, we have a, a few more that we're going to try to touch on until they play my music. So, um, interesting enough, and we've talked about this, and it's interesting they're in the middle of the list. You would think these should be at the beginning of the list. But in the list is you've got to know the written law. you got to know what's the written Torah because there's really two parts to Torah. There is the written facet, what you'll all consider the Bible, the Torah, uh, the mitzvot, so the way they're written there. And then there's the oral now its not good enough just to know what the words are, the information in the Torah, because we're missing too much information. Um, the Talmud actually mentions multiple times that to be a Torah scholar, it is impossible that you're just an expert in Torah. It is even impossible to be an expert just in the oral law. You actually need one more step, which, interesting enough, was earlier on the list. And that was that you have to serve or attend uh, Torah scholars so you understand how they use the Torah. Furthermore, in the list, and I know these were going through fast, um, to to become a Torah scholar, to really get the Torah, you have to limit a lot of things. You can't be that jack of all trades because then, as they say, you have nothing, right? You can't be working all day long and expect to be a Torah scholar. I'm not saying you shouldn't work. It's just impossible, right? You you of course have to study, but you will not be that uh, like those Talmud that those Talmudic scholars that we always discuss that are sitting and studying all day long. You have to limit work. You're gonna have to limit pleasure too. You can't go ahead, go to the movies, go to the ball games, um, watch stuff all the time. You're gonna have to. You're going to have to focus on your time, like business people, like Amy that we talked about before. And now the music is playing. So now we will wrap it up. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to our production team. We have David and Kelsey in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi C. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Toro on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.